Welcome to the Gymnazo Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business to how to program for maximum results to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Gymnazo Podcast. I am your host, CJ Kopliska, Director of Programming here at Gymnazo. And we got Mitch Schroth co-hosting as well. Say what's up, Mitch. What's up, Mitch? <laughs> Thanks, brother. And we have an awesome guest here today. His name is Alex Canellis, the creator of Landmine University. We just finished up a two-day crusher of a course um, dialing in. All I'm going to think about for the next probably six years of my life is Landmark. Landmark, <laughs> landmark, pulling the elbow into the hip. Uh, so I'm not going to do very, very much talking today. I actually have a lot of questions for you, Alex, and I'm sure Mitch does as well. And basically how to integrate this functional system into a group training, a one-on-one setting, a therapeutic setting, a performance setting in college weight rooms everywhere across America and beyond. Uh, so without further ado, Alex, welcome to the show, my man. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate you guys hosting the certification this weekend. It was an awesome weekend, and I'm ready to do this podcast. Pumped to be here. Shit, yeah, man. Uh, I guess we'll kick it off first with uh, your training history. I mean, where did you begin, man? Because you are one hell of an athlete, and if uh, I saw the definition of meathead in a dictionary, you would have your picture on it. Hey, I'll take it. So, uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, growing up, I grew up in Iowa City. Um, and I, I'm an Iowa kid. My background, training and athletic-wise, was I grew up wrestling. That was my life. And then football kind of became my life. Um, I've always been really into football. Played football at the University of Iowa for a couple years. Um, and then really underlying the whole time, my passion was the weight room. I loved lifting weights. As soon as I was old enough to sneak into the weight room, I was. And I just have always loved it. It's been therapy for me. Um, when I got done playing, I did a little internship at the university uh, in the weight room. And then I spent 10 years as a strength and conditioning coach at the high school level. So in Iowa, um, I at a private school in Iowa City. I ran the full-time strength and conditioning program for junior high, high school. Uh, worked with some grade school kids as well. And that just fueled my passion, really helped me realize that what I love doing more than anything is coaching. So. Um, I love being in the weight room, but more than that, I love being with people. I love helping people, and coaching is really what saved my life. When football was done for me, a big part of my identity was gone, and coaching really filled that void, and, and now that's just that's all I want to do is just coach and be in the weight room. So that's my background. Once uh, I had been coaching in the weight room for a while, I got into sort of the whole functional movement rabbit hole, right, about how is our body supposed to move, um, got into the spinal engine theory, got into some of David Weck's stuff, and actually came to California uh, a couple years ago, and my job at the time was to help David Weck run the Weck Method certification classes. So I helped with that, uh, helped over there at Weck Method for a while. Then the pandemic hit, and we weren't doing in-person education, and really I wasn't doing enough with the landmine. Somewhere along the line I realized that 
if I wanted to get the spinal engine theories across and also do what I love, the landmine was going to be the perfect tool. So I kind of started developing this system uh, a couple years ago. And recently, just since the pandemic, I've been kind of on my own doing my own thing and trying to take this landmine system and, and spread it and share it. Yeah, something I love uh, so much about your system is it's easy to comprehend. Like there's no extra little gimmicky, shiny object stuff. You got to focus on all these things at one time. It's like one thing only, and it's that landmark. It's that connection point of elbow to hip. Um, and you really like, just murder that thing into us the, uh, the yeah. entire, entire week. That's all I hear out of your mouth most of the time. Absolutely. Landmark, get yep. in there. Absolutely. I think um, it's easy when you get into some of the complex movement stuff and the functional movement stuff. Uh, to make things more complicated. And when we geek out and get really into what's going on with your body, you start looking for little things and it's easy to make things as complicated as possible. And that's just not my language. Like I said, I come from a background of fifth through 12th graders and having a room full of them. And everything I do in the system, everything that I'm developing, first thing I care about is that I need to be able to share it with a room full of 12 year olds. And that's that's the way that I sort of design the system. As soon as it gets too complicated, I'm not interested anymore. As soon as it gets too sciencey, I'm not interested anymore. And as soon as it gets too spiritual, I'm not interested anymore. I'm a simple guy, and I like to keep it really simple. And I think these are sort of some complex uh, movements at first glance. But with this system, the goal is simplicity and to make it easy, easy to teach, easy to do, and always that's going to be the goal. As we move forward and evolve the system, it's always going to be aiming to make it even simpler and to make it even easier to communicate, not to add more pieces to the puzzle or to make it more complicated. Yeah, to make this thing more complicated, uh, you know, as we get older, we think that we need to think on a much deeper level when yep. we still haven't even set our foundations of those thing, of that thinking. Like, what are the principles of that that process. Right. Um, and so something you dive into is the principles first. Like that's the first thing we, we begin with. So if you don't mind kind of talking into those uh, pieces first, we have a framework of what we're talking about in terms of the landmine. Totally. Yeah. So any good system needs principles. I think the principles are what answers questions as you get into this stuff and you start trying to apply it and use it. You're going to run into questions and you're going to run into a lot of people that say, why are we doing this? Is this the right way? Is this the best way? So that's why the principles are important. Uh, for the landmine system, we've got five main principles, which are forward intent, core-driven movement, rotational intent, positions before transitions, and then progressive overload. And that last principle is where this landmine university system sort of separates itself from some of the other functional training um, and falls back into that traditional weightlifting stuff. I want to set PRs. I want to get stronger. I want the numbers to show that. And my favorite part about the system is that once you get it down, once you're really moving with it, you can slap some weight on and you can continue to make progress. Yeah, it's a cool reminder for us. I mean, Mitch and I, we come from more of, I mean, we went through power training a little bit and more Olympic style lifts, kettlebell stuff, and, and kind of slowly went away from that. I think for me personally, because of injuries and I just, I felt really strong. In fact, I was about 20 pounds heavier. I'm a sure. little dude and that was, that 20 pounds made a hell of a difference. Oh, yeah. And I... That I, I identified with that, yep. and um, it felt powerful, but I didn't feel good. And right. I think part of the reason being was that 
I was trying to lift heavy weights, and that's what I was trying to do versus trying to move better with heavy weight. Right. And uh, I'm interested, Mitch, and in kind of your your big takeaways from the course, especially with the principles. Um, you know, we work as senior coaches with a lot of individuals who necessarily aren't performance athletes first. They're more so looking to enhance their movement. They come in with different pains or dysfunctions, you know, stuff like bad knees or bad shoulders, or they got some kind of dysfunction going on that they need to fix first before going into more of that progressive overload in a sense. Uh, but what I love about what you brought in this is kind of reminding us that, dude, lifting weights is just a fucking good time. Like it's, it feeds that, that energy side of your, the whole room starts getting stoked. Everybody starts hooting and hollering a little bit. And I oh, think yeah. it's more that, you know, high school, college weight room, uh, locker room talk where you're just like, you're getting everybody jazzed and you're feeling like, man, I, I'm on top of the world. Sure. Um, so it's a good reminder for us because I, I do miss moving heavy weight, but I've kind of stayed away from that, more into the flow side of things. And I think that's where a lot of practitioners get lost um, is then going all movement, but it's really a balance, right? It's a, it's right. a movement. It is still flow, but you got to be able to flow with heavy weight too and, and perform and get those lines dialed in. So Mitch, uh, I don't mind talking a little bit about uh, some takeaways or just some, some spots that you found gold um, taking the course as an athlete. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that I took away right away is when you were said you got kind of, I don't want to say sick of the movement side of it, but you just got a little maybe bored of the movement. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but right. you know, too much movement based without the weightlifting. And I connect with that a lot because I came, came from that traditional weightlifting atmosphere originally and then came to gymnasium. It was a lot more functional. And then it was like, okay, do some ropes, do some other things. And then you start moving better, but then you start to miss the weightlifting side of it. You start to notice a decrease in that. And that's what I love about this. Like over this weekend, it's like we've done so much that was just movement based mm. and load based as well. Mm -hmm. And like to me, that connects so much more. I'm like, okay, I feel that translation between the two or feel that connection between the two. And I can see how it translates into the greater picture of moving better as a runner, a sprinter, hiker, uh, gen pop, athlete, whatever it may be. And I think that was one of the biggest takeaways for me was, oh, this is really cool. And it's super you know, I'm not trying to say it's simple, but it is simple to apply to all populations of, yeah, of all I, demographics. I want it to be simple. So that's, yeah, that's a compliment to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, that's what I think, you know, you know, uh, you said it earlier. It's like, you know, you don't want to get too sciencey sometimes. And I don't want to either sometimes. It's like, this is just a great move for you to be able to do because it's going to help you be a better athlete in general. And it's like, you know, you get take someone on that, on that bar whether they're 65 or 16, and you're like, hey, twist this bar 25 times each way, whatever it may be, and you're going to feel their core get lit up. And, like, my shoulders, my hips feel great. And that's with no weight on weekend. it, too, man. That was just barbell. Yeah. That was just steering, rotating in one side. What do you call it? The blade? Yep. The blade, blade and rotation? Yeah. Yep. And that was one of the biggest things. It was like, it feels great. Like, you know, got a great core workout, and then we just you toasted us at the end there. Yeah. <laughs> that 15-minute oh, workout. Awesome. Wait, what would you call it? The EMOM? Email they're minute on the minute, just two clean <laughs> yeah, jerks each side. Yeah, that's a big finisher. It's a really great way for us to do the dynamic method stuff. It tends to be a good rest period. You're going hard for, you know, five to six seconds and then resting for the rest of the minute. And, again, I'm a football guy. I love that that part of it because it feels like football. But, man, everybody gets gassed. And, and I really like what you said as far as – because, to me, ultimately, this has been about connecting a couple dots because – when I got into the movement-based stuff and all the functional stuff, there's no doubt that I started moving better. Um, but I lost a little bit of strength, and the strength that I felt like I lost the most of was my explosive strength. I didn't feel as snappy as I did when I was lifting weights, but I knew I was moving better. I was moving smoother. I was running better. But I didn't feel quite as explosive and quite as uh, strong. So to me, it was about connecting dots and 
finding a way to get both, or at least the most of both that we can. So I want to be lifting weights in a way that's going to transfer to me moving and, and doing all the flowy stuff better. And that's, that's the ultimate goal, is just to, to connect those dots. But yeah, that's, I appreciate feedback, and it's been, uh, man, we had an awesome group, so it went really well. Yeah, we had some, some athletes out there, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm wondering, especially for those who are kind of more on the movement flow side, who maybe lost touch with that strength training but want to get back to it, um, I've worked with a lot of coaches that are just afraid to get back to strength training. You know, they, they're feeling so much better in terms of their, their fluidity, their freedom, and they've kind of lost a lot of tension, which is good in some regards, allows you to just rest, relax, kind of go back into that parasympathetic state and recover very well. But then when, as soon as it comes back to some powerful movements and some kind of combat, some kind of martial intent, it, it is that releasing tension, but it is also that ability to compress, contract, and to, to squish you know, into that oblique. And a lot of what you go into with those connection points at the elbow to the hip and landmark is basically just getting that oblique to fire up. Uh, what would you say to somebody who's trying to get back into that realm of strength training um, and they've kind of seen some of your landmine stuff, they've seen some of this power training that seems to be more functional, like what is that first step back into that? Is it going through the certification? Is it going through a workshop? Is it just getting load back into whatever you're doing? Like what would you recommend from Alex's side? So I'd say, uh, first I'd say that even if you're just going to use a stick, like we use stick mobility sticks for some of the stuff we did, um, this system is going to encourage some explosive movement in some really athletic positions regardless of load so i do think that there's value in the system even if you don't want to load weight on the bar and and you certainly don't have to um the cool thing with this as opposed to maybe some other sort of uh, functional tools is that once you feel really comfortable with the positions and the movements loading is an option right so uh when you get really good with a steel mace maybe you'll use one that's a little bit heavier at some point that mace is going to get too heavy for you to do what you're doing if you get really good with the rope flow you can grab a little bit heavier rope but the first step is always to get really good in the positions and to understand the movement and these movements um, and i think that it's one of the best ways to tap into the spinal engine what we're doing in this system is very core driven uh, load doesn't need to be your priority um, it's just really nice to have that as a potential next step. Mm -hmm. If you get bored, if you feel really good about the positions, then just a little bit of load is going to help make everything that much more intense. And with your athletes, with your people that, are, that need to be strong and need to overcome a load at some point, then it's going to become a little bit more of a priority. But I would stress that um, like 90% of the certification was done with the bar this weekend and everybody was gassed. So you can get a ton out of the system. It's going to, we're going to use that, uh, sort of center line and that wrote that center line axis, the ability to rotate the bar, the ability to maintain forward intent, uh, that creates a lot of fast movements, a lot of really athletic positions, regardless of weight. So make sure you understand that the first step is mastering the system, mastering the positions, and you don't necessarily need a heavy weight to do that. Um, and if you're trying to learn more, and I'll plug it, I'll plug it again if you want me to later, but my website, landmineuniversity.com, is where it's at. So it's just a one-time payment for lifetime access to what I have is four follow-along classes. So there's one basically called freshman year where you work through the, the basically what we did at the certification in a virtual way. Um, another one is called Beyond the Landmine, where we take those principles and apply them to a bunch of different products, which we also did this weekend. So using a dumbbell, using a kettlebell, applying the principles, hitting some of the same landmarks. Another one is Strength School, 
So one of my follow-along classes is then uh, specifically for the strength coach. How am I going to use this if I want to get explosive? How am I going to use this if I want conditioning? How am I going to use this for absolute strength? What does that look like? Um, also on the website, we've got a bunch of tutorials that specifically break down the exercises. And then an exercise library, which is like 130 exercises that you just get to watch and you can see all the principles are the same. Once you go through the classes, you already know how to do everything in the exercise library, but we put a little bit of a tweak on those movements so you can sort of pick which ones you like the most and, and play with it. How long did that take you to make that shit, man? That's beautiful. It, was, <laughs> it took a long time. That was my year. Yeah, that was my that year. That was COVID, huh? It was. Yeah. It, that was COVID for me. It was a crazy time. I didn't know uh, what the finish line was going to look like, but I am so glad that I put the time in to do it. It's hours of content, and anybody that wants to get into the system, I recommend that they go check that out um, as a first step. Now, if you're able to come to a certification, I truly believe that there's nothing that's ever going to top in-person education so that's the best way to get into it but all the stuff is available online too yeah man i i absolutely love that i think that's where this field needs to go like when we're building these workshops these certifications there's a lot of dogma that surrounds a lot of these these courses and these methodologies and i'm gonna pump you up some more man because it's just something that we do too here is like integrate what you already do using these principles now. And that's what you showed us with the kettlebell, with the dumbbell, with the, you know, you just medicine ball, with a sandbag, with a bozu, with whatever you want to use, but just apply the principles, apply the landmark, get your long side, get your short side, and you're going to end up walking away with more function, whatever that may be. It's going to be just utilizing your right and your left sides together. And uh, it does become a flow because you right. have to use both sides. Right. If one side's short, the other side's tall, as opposed to a lot of this traditional stuff, which is so squared off. And there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's just missing a lot of those components that can carry over more specifically to especially things like combat sports, right? Totally. You got fighters throwing a punch with one arm. You got a long side, you got a short side. It's just the honest to God truth that like yep. you cannot deny it. And that's, that's what's so powerful about these systems is that there's truth that you can't deny. Right. right. There's right. a lot of things that's esoteric and spiritual and be like, oh, look at these extra pieces you can do, which are really cool and frilly. Right. Uh, but when it gets down to the nuts and bolts of it, if you don't know the, the original intent and what you're trying to do, which is, like you said, move forward. That's what you do as a human. Yep. And you give us an analogy of the, of the car. Like, all right, you could have spinners on this thing. You could yeah. have tinted windows. Yeah. You could have a brand new stereo with a nice kick-ass system. And it looks amazing. But if that shit doesn't move forward it's not going to be a very functional car. And if you don't have something that's going to help it move forward faster or more powerful, adds more horsepower, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. And I, I do like that analogy basically because I, I think the word functional gets thrown around a lot. Um, and it can mean a lot of different things to different people. But ultimately, if you want to call training functional, the first thing we need to do is identify the primary function of the system of the structure. So for us, as human beings, if we're going to say our primary function of our muscles, our bones, is to move us forward, is to walk um, or jog or whatever it is, um, very similar to a car. And I give that analogy for a couple different reasons. Uh, so I'll say, hey, I can make a, an addition to my car and get new stereos. Like you said, I get new spinners. What I want to say is that those are not bad additions. Those are great things. Those are cool, right? They make your car cool, but they're not functional additions. Um, we can do a ton of bicep curls in the gym, and I am very much not opposed to that. I think that's awesome. If that's what you want to do. I can do, tell, bro. Yeah, uh, yeah right? All right. <laughs> I, wear, I wear that on this my bicep. curls, bro. Yeah, I curl a little bit, so there's nothing wrong with that. It's just um, what the landmine system comes from is trying to make at least some of our training as functional as possible. 
So if I'm going to lift weights, I really want that weight lifting to help me move forward a little bit, right? Um, one thing that is important to me is I try to share this stuff, this information and share the system is that I don't want an elitist view. I think ultimately when we look at everybody in our country, especially exercise is a really healthy thing. And I'm not going to bash on any type of exercise. I don't like when people talk bad about traditional weightlifting. I don't like when people talk bad about any kind of exercise because I used to love it, saved my life. And some people enjoy it. And if it's something that if doing traditional weightlifting is part of your life, keep doing it, man. But it's cool to add some different things. And I think that we can get some of the same KPIs that we get with the Olympic lifts and make it a little bit more functional. So that's the ultimate goal. Um, the principles are all there to say, hey, I'm going to do a lift with the barbell. What could I do to make it more functional, to make it help me move forward better? So ultimately, yeah, that's the goal is a more functional weightlifting system. But that's not to say that all your weightlifting needs to be functional. It's just that's what we're trying to do is give you a, you know, upgrade your engine, right, or get you some new tires and, instead of a new stereo. Yeah. We've worked, we work with a lot of clients here at Gymnazo that – come in from no training background. Uh, they come in from previous injuries, from different training programs. They get in for six weeks, they're out for three months. They get in for six weeks, they're out for three months. And it's like an endless cycle of, unfortunately, just a lack of awareness and understanding of the process of getting back into training. And people, especially here in America, go way too hard, way too quick because they want to get back into it. Like, ah, I've been out for a month. I'm going to make up for it today. Yeah, that's yeah, an that's American attitude. Yeah. This is not yeah. how it works, man. Maybe you sleep. That's not how you do it? Shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch, tell me more, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I've yeah, seen this guy go for 24 hours straight and then take three months off, and he's good. Bulb, that's it, man. Yeah, 25 hours carries over. That's right. <laughs> straight, yeah. That's right. Um, I think <laughs> what I'm, I'm curious about is you have a, a big Olympic lifting background, especially with football and stuff like that. How much of that inspired you with the landmine to be more creative or, or to use the principles of weight, Olympic weightlifting to train? transition over to landmine or vice versa with yeah. it. So it's a big part of it. And coming from sort of my background, one of the things that always had me scratching my head in college was that uh, we would test out different lifts. There were lifts that we went heavy on. We would do heavy squats. We would do heavy bench press. And those two are, you know, they're simple. They are what they are. Uh, we would also do a lot of heavy cleans. We did some of the Olympic weightlifting stuff heavy. And as I look around that that world, that college weightlifting world, people are still using heavy cleans as a way to test your explosive strength or your power output. Uh, but what had me scratching my head in college was that I came from a background of just sort of teaching myself how to lift weights. I hadn't done Olympic lifts in high school. I was taught them in college with everybody else. And as I looked around the room on heavy clean day, I'd look at one side and here's a guy that clearly has done this for a while. He's got a great front rack. He's dropping under the bar. His rhythm is great. And then I look over at the other end of the room, and this guy is doing a totally different exercise. He can't get to a front rack. He's leaning back and shooting his knees forward. And it just looks totally different. I realize, gosh, we're loading this. We're using this as a measurement of our explosive strength. And yet, we're doing totally different exercises. The learning curve for the Olympic lifts is astronomical. Um, when we make it more functional, when we allow one side to make room for the other side, the great thing I like about our system is the bar speed is the same, the angle changes are the same, 
but it's a threefold thing. Not only is it safer, not only is it more functional, but it is absolutely easier to teach. And that is my favorite part, is that with this system, if you focus on the right things, you can teach it to a room full of people extremely fast, and you can have those people doing cleans, jerks, moving the way that you wanted them to move with the Olympic lifts, but all of a sudden they're doing a uniform exercise and everybody looks the same. I really had a problem with that in college. And then when I started trying to use the Olympic lifts with my high school athletes, I ran into the same problem. Those positions of the traditional Olympic lifts are just not accessible to a lot of regular people, even good athletes. If your wrist is tight or if you've gone through one wrist injury, your front rack is gonna be garbage. And that's just, I've seen it too many times. The other thing I realized is that as people get older, that explosive weight training, that Olympic weight training is the first thing that they give up. And we get a little bit older and we lose the ability to be as explosive. We lose some of the benefits that that has on our joints. And I don't think it, that that needs to be. I think we can still stay explosive as we get a little bit older. I think there's a, a lot to be gained from explosive weight training. And this is a way to do it in positions that make sense to your body and positions that everybody can hit. Dude, well, yeah, one of the most explosive things I think that happens when you get older is catching yourself from a fall. Like, you ever right. caught yourself, like you step in, like, oh, shit. Yeah. And you're going to go down and collapse or Absolutely. you're going to decelerate. You're going to essentially get some tension through your hip, your hamstring, whatever position you're That's in. That's right. And without training that, just that extra little bit of spice, the extra little burst. When you need to move, like if it comes <laughs> to a point where you need to move or you're going to be injured, killed, hurt, then you're going to move fast, right? Yeah, get the fuck when out of the way, when man. When it becomes yeah. the most important for us to move, we're going to move explosively. So, yeah, if, if you're going to fall and you're going to catch yourself, that's going to be an explosive movement. You're going to adjust yourself. You're going to figure out gravity as fast as you can. So to be able to say, gosh, I'm going to move as fast as I can is important. Um, but a lot of us aren't, as, I should say a lot of us, a lot of your clients aren't going to be ready to sprint Right. What I love about this landmine stuff, if you guys remember, like those first, the first explosive thing, the split switch screwdrivers we did, I think that that's more accessible than a full speed sprint. It's safer, but it really feels similar. And we're really going to move our body as fast as we can. And we can start adding a little bit of load to it, too, which is which is a cherry on top. But absolutely, without question, this is a way to do explosive training the rest of your life. And I, and I, and I believe that and I have clients as old as 89 years old that are doing some of this stuff. And they might not be as exaggerated of a position, but they're getting to move as fast as they can a couple of times. And that's really powerful uh, for them. Yeah. You mentioned uh, KPIs and I think one of the, maybe this was on your list too, but there's no back pain that came out of day one or hey, day two. Hey, no yeah. back pain. We're doing Olympic lifts in a functional environment or functional intent yeah i love that, I love Dude, that mitch you got, i see you get fired up over there because this is well, something brilliant i did a really long mountain bike ride yesterday morning we did 21 miles and 3,000 feet of climbing and then, so I, I came into it and i was like mitch. i was just like shit i was like this is gonna be a, I, I was like this is gonna be a rough two days and then like, the first three hours that we're working out i was like okay like not too bad yeah and then i was like expecting this morning i was like this morning's gonna be terrible and I actually woke up feeling great. Awesome. And then going through the workout, I was like, this is amazing. It's awesome. like, it didn't feel, you know, shoulders didn't feel nothing too much at all. I mean, my core is pretty, pretty darn tired. But Awesome. But uh, yeah, that was like the most surprising part. It was like, I feel great. And like, I'll tell you, from my background with the traditional weight lifting, and I, I think some people maybe that are listening will be able to connect with this. 
you get to a point where you start getting really strong in these traditional lifts and you sort of start like uh, connecting that with your lower back being sore. And what's crazy is that low back pain is one of the most common injuries on the planet in America, whether people are working out or not. So if you're way into exercise and you're a big time power lifter, your lower back's gonna hurt. If you don't move at all, your lower back's gonna hurt. Right. So, Choose your suffering. <laughs> yeah, man, one of the biggest things, not that it was originally on my mind, but that I've always check in with when, when we introduce a system or when we use it with people is I'll say, how's everybody's lower back feeling? And on day two, when everybody rolled in here, they were like, oh my God, I'm so sore. Oh, I'm hurting, I'm so sore. And then I say, how's everybody's lower back feeling? And they say, huh, it feels great. Like, yeah, my lower back doesn't feel anything. The place that I want you sore is your glutes, your obliques big time, and those lats. And that's, that's the big uh, muscles that move, right, that actually are going to lengthen and shorten as we start doing this functional movement stuff. The biggest goal uh, when you start feeling sore is that you're not sore in your lower back, right? That thing is solid. That's not what we're going for. So that's, yeah, that's great feedback. And I, I, I do think that that's one of the best parts about this is that we get a chance to lift weights and get stronger and our lower back doesn't hurt. So, yeah. Well, the cool thing with it too is, I mean, you know, powerlifting has an obvious transition into explosiveness and into sports, but with the cool thing with the landmine is it's the locomotive aspect with it as well that you don't get with just a clean and press or anything like that. Right. So, it only translates so far, right? Until you get on the line and you have to go push someone That's with right. forward intent. If you don't do that and you're just pressing a bar overhead every time, it's like, well, where's the translation in that? And we're patterning things. And if you're going to pattern driving your heels into the ground over and over, and then you're going to go play a sport. So you're going to play football. That's what I love. If you're going to play football and you go out there and you start driving your heels into the ground, we're in big trouble, right? So if we're patterning things and if we're building strength through positions, I think it just makes sense to build strength through positions that are going to move you forward. The other thing that people realize pretty quick with this system is your heels never touch the ground. We did every single exercise and your heels never touched the ground the entire time around the ball of our foot. And I had a chance to get, uh, if you guys know Joe Sullivan, big time power lifter, awesome dude. Unbelievable world record squat holder. I got him to come to one of the certifications, which was a blast. He came back and the, where he was like maybe the most sore was like his outer calf. Right. I mean, he hadn't moved that joint that way for a while or stressed that joint that way for a while. Uh, but it's really cool to see people develop ankle mobility and him. He's a power lifter, but he's still using he's using some of the coiled assistance work with himself, with his people. And it's helping him with his power lifts. And I'm all about power lifting. If that's what you do, he's dedicated his life to it. Right. I mean, he works harder than me, so I'm not going to badmouth power lifting, but this can be great for everybody. Yeah. Well, I think I see along the lines, especially I want, to I want Mitch to talk about some mountain biking because you, you're climbing a hill, your heels aren't driving, you're driving through the ball of your feet, you're climbing through your calves, right? I mean, I don't, I don't bike at all. Yeah. Mine's motorized, so. So, so there's, there's a, <laughs> definitely a couple of different ways. Like, I don't use uh, clip-ins, so it's like, it's all push for me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you think about that, it's just, it just builds right. more trust and more strength. But you don't put your heels on the pedal, do you? No. Right. No, exactly. Right. But you also think about how much trust you start to build in people's knees as well, because how many people are afraid of, you know, like that old um, um, saying of like, you know, no knees over the toes and sure. blah, 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 blah. And 
you know, don't do this or don't do that because, you know, knees or whatever, it's like, well, you should train that way. Oh, yeah. You need to train that way. Everybody that's listening right now, go ahead and walk five yards without your knees going over your toes. Right. (laughs) See how that looks. Uh, I'm imagining people doing this right now. I hope you're doing it if you're listening. It's just a series of (laughs) straight-legged kicks. You will will be waddling. You'll be marching in a marching band. You'll be waddling, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, I do a lot of trail running, and I went through Weck Method a few years back, and I remember my lats being extremely sore, obliques being quite a bit sore, but it was more of just intent, and I think it was neurological fatigue. It was just things that I had done, but not with that kind of intent, not sure. that kind of, um, and not that kind of volume too. You sure. just, you're doing it for hours on end. Right. You're like, squeeze that shit, squeeze. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to shit myself if I keep going any further yeah. or I'm going to cramp up. And uh, it's a real thing. But I felt, you know, th- that night I had like weird fucking dreams too, man. I was like sleeping in a coil. <laughs> I had my arm under the pillow, like elbow in the hip. And I was like, I woke up and I was like, man, I dreamt that I was in this position. I woke up in this position. I switched that and I was like, Oh, another set of dreams. It was pretty cool. Like, we go yeah. diving into dreams uh, on that. But you, with this. You sleep on the long side. Yeah, man. That's yeah. great. Oh, <laughs> it's like your whole wall, but now you're not yeah. dealing with gravity as much, man. Right. Gravity pulls you into that right. coil. Right. Uh, but trail running, um, I feel, especially these past two days, with adding load on it, I feel so much more confident in let's go push this thing a little bit. Uh, but also just for speed's sake, keep it light and go for speed and locking into those landmark positions. Um, when I'm trail running, I'm thinking about, especially up a hill, your heels should not be touching the ground. You should be driving your oh, forefoot into the ground and knee should be way in front of that foot. Uh, you should fall. be falling yeah. forward, right. not falling back into that heel. Um, so yeah, it's it's just kind of pushes that home even further that think about all the things that I do that has that forward intent yeah, and with to a, have the extra push. With a hill similar to a landmine, you're, you're kind of wedged. Like you are in a position where your angles are going to be more aggressive because of the hill. That's what we do with the landmine. We're wedged. We're in a position where these angles are super aggressive and they're going to stay aggressive. We maintain forward intent, right? That's our first principle. So as we're doing these movements, everyone is literally trying to drive through the landmine, trying to move that landmine. And you're going to hit some really similar positions to if you're running up a hill. What's, is, yeah. up, what's up with that uh, the whole shakiness that happens when you start doing the landmine and you start locking into that landmark, locking into the coil and holding that coil? Like, how do you help people? That's, a lot of times it's a novel sensation going, am I going to break? Am I going to, like, it's your car yeah, rattling, yeah, right? right? You're like, oh, shit, what is that? Um, and it's uh, one of the things I tell my coaches when we do the system is that we're going to make – Proc, whoa, we're going to make, we're going to make, fell back there in the chair. We're going to make proximal cues and we're going to look for distal clues. Yeah. I love your fucking rhyme. I don't know, man. I like rhyme. Give me more too. Rhyme is my thing. Dr. Seuss over here. Um, Yeah. So, so distally when I'm, as a coach, I'm going to look at your heels, right? I'm going to see what your heels are doing, make sure they're off the ground and make sure that front side, that short side heel is lifted because what we're going to do with our obliques is lift that foot, lift that heel. Um, when we start locking into, but I'm going to give proximal cues, right? So proximal cues, distal clues. I'm going to watch your heel. If it's not doing what I want it to do, I'm going to tell you to drive your hip up more into the elbow. Now, when that happens and we are able to funnel all the tension into our core, right? Our ribs and hips are really what we're most concerned with. When all the tension goes with that oblique, that lack spot, you're going to start seeing some involuntary spasm stuff happening with the heel. You're going to start seeing it shake. And it also, depending on how prepped you are, if you've done it before, or how much intent you're putting in, because 
you come to a certification and it's a bunch of coaches that are like looking to show off a little bit and to give a ton of effort. But you're Ray, Ray Bailey that. out there, man. That's right. Shout out Ray. That's right, Ray. <laughs> Ray killed it. But you're going to see that heel start shaking. Yeah. And the next thing you're going to do is you're going to look at the ribs and the hips. And oftentimes when you're getting a lot of movement down there in that heel, there's nothing moving in their core. They're totally locked in. And I really like that. To me, that's reflexive training. And you see some really good coaches nowadays if you're into some of like a Darien Bar stuff or some good track coaches and they're doing heel drops. They're trying to see how fast they can drop their heel. They're doing that on purpose. Fluttering. I love when it happens automatically. I think that is what reflexive training should be is when things happen based on your reflex. And what you're going to start seeing, man, that foot wants to move. And it's going to start shaking. And I actually, I've, I've, I never cue people away from that. I think people are getting a lot out of it when that happens. Well, I feel like I get supercharged, man. Like I'm, I'm plugging, I my, love it. I'm yeah. plugging my foot into the outlet of the earth, man. And oh, like yeah. I'm summoning that. We're not going to get spiritual on you, but that fucking source energy yeah. just going straight to yep. the core, going, yep. let's burst out of there. I hate that. No more spiritual <laughs> stuff. <laughs> no, I love it. No, I love it, it. It. it reminds me of the Limit Force Elastic stuff from Wex Method. Absolutely. And the elastic coiling. Like, that elastic band is really what your fascia, your muscles are kind of communicating is this Absolutely. stored force that you, I was talking to Sean, one of our other coaches too. He's like, I didn't have any coffee this morning, man. I'm, I'm slacking. And then he got two reps in of just hanging out in that hang. And he was shaking. He's like, man, I feel like I just got a burst of caffeine through my bloodstream. Yes, I was like, we got coffee over there. He's like, oh, good. I'm gonna get some coffee in now too. But he was, he was when jazzed. You when know? we did the limit force stuff at Weck Method, you, you're going to pull the band as far as you can in these positions, and it's intense. But what I realized then, too, which was another light bulb for me, was that when I'm in that position, if I add rotational intent, the intensity is going to crank up like exponentially. So we're moving the band. We're doing this limit force elastic stuff, if you guys are familiar with that. Basically pulling the band to your limit force and then holding isometrics. When you add rotational intent, to that. So we're going to try to steer that band. We're going to rotate that band. It gets in so much more intense. And that's why to me, like isometric training, and I told everybody at the cert, if you're going to do any type of isometric training, try it with the landmine, right? Split your feet, take that landmine in the goblet position and spin it. Keep it right where it is, but spin it towards your front foot. Find full rotation, connect your elbow with your front side hip and keep trying to rotate it further. Keep trying to spin that bar even further, and that's, that's going to be the most intense isometric contraction that, that you're going to find, that you're going to feel. And hopefully, and you can give feedback on this, but some of the isos with the landmine, they can be just as intense as they are with an elastic um, because you get that rotational feedback, right? Mm. You get to rotate the bar. It reminds me a lot of, I had a, I had a 64 step side Chevy, no power steering. Awesome. You take the and stick. So yeah. man, you sitting oh, in man. there. Yeah, like, I gotta take a turn, gotta put in the first and the second, and you're just like, all right, crank it in. Dude. This is years ago, but you you got a coil to make that shit happen. Absolutely. You're gonna pull something. Like Absolutely. you don't know power steering it's for the, the young bucks, man. It's like it's rough. Oh man. <laughs> you just gotta just wait till your power steering goes out. Oh god. Try to get home. That's, that's when you're like, oh my, oh my god. It's, and that's what the landmine really feels like is that it's a steering wheel. It's great to have the external tool, and it really is. It's a it's a heavy tool in your tool belt. Yeah. You got all these different tools that are light. You got rings. You got uh, ropes. You got some light dumbbells, light maces, whatever else. But to have that heavy load that's having a downward force, you can push forward and you can rotate it, and you're you're hitting the trifecta of force. You're getting spherical, not spiritual, but spherical with spherical. it. Spherical, yeah. Like spherical that. tension that you're you're teaching. 
essentially an intent and an action. So like you're, if you're intending to do something, is your body actually doing it? It's so obvious with this system yeah. if you're not doing it because right. you're going to see the elbow, not the landmark. Boom. And it's like, boom, yeah. <laughs> it's all yeah. you need. You're going to steer back in. Yeah. And I think it's what we're really missing these days is something to help us steer because we are the drivers of our body. Yeah. But a lot of times we're so outside of what's going on within ourselves that we kind of get lost and we need all these other gimmicks and band-aids and shit to help us when really it's just get back to the intent. What yeah. are you trying to do? And if your goal is to move forward, how are you moving forward? It's not by moving forward. It's by coiling. It is by uh, rotating and laterally flexing. We call it type two spine motion. You guys call it spinal engine um, really because it's that it's lateral bending, it's rotation, it is extension. You're getting lordosis too. Multiplanar. Yeah. Do you mind talking about the spinal engine a little bit? You said you went oh, sure. front to back after what I, I told yeah. you about no, the No, I got, I got way into that book. Uh, Serge Grakovetsky just, uh, I got way, way into that book back in the day. Um, and it was fascinating to me that I had never been exposed to any of these concepts before. Throughout a master's degree in exercise science, kinesiology, um, I had never been introduced to this whole theory of movement, right? Of how our body's supposed to move, how animals move, how this structure is meant to move. And real basic is that our extremities are going to move based on what we do at the core level. You get this message from your brain, something happens with your ribs and your hips, and then you move your extremities, right? The lizard side bends and then moves his hand. You're um, calling us lizards? Now we're a bunch of lizard lizards. people? Lizard Fucking lizard, lizard people. Damn it, I knew it. Was I'm, I'm honestly not offended. And the rest of the podcast, <laughs> we're going to be talking about lizard people. Uh, I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that, but that was powerful for me because with traditional weightlifting, you don't even get a chance to, to do that, right, to, to make those changes. And really one of the things he talks about is, and it is a very multi-planar movement, so I'm not just side-bending to the right, I'm also rotating to the right. Um, there's a little bit of a twist, a little bit of a side bend, but the hip needs to come up. The basics of it is shoulder down and back, hip up and forward, then you move your arms and legs, right? Uh, so the landmine became really powerful for me because like that screwdriver uh, movement that we did was in essence the spinal engine. I could distill it, I could get forward intent, and I could go shoulder down and back, hip up and forward, and feel what that feels like. And then connected into bigger movements, more uh, dynamic movements, and heavier movements. Um, but if you haven't read that book, I encourage you to read it. Um, I made a post about it not too long ago, and people started coming. It's $900. Check on eBay. found a lot of people that found it for like 100 bucks, a paperback. But it's worth getting into, and even if, you don't, if you're not a textbook person, just understanding the concepts and sort of starting to think about them and explore. I do got to say this too, for this for the people who do, do go really deep spiritually side of it and not doing the actual full practice, like the side of it is actually doing the thing. Like you could mental focus on it, imagine things, draw cool pictures, see these diagrams, these spirals and toroids and toruses and all these cool twists. This is that shit, just put simple. Like we, our body already does all this stuff. We could dive into the philosophy and ideologies of all these things, but really when it comes down to it, if you can't experience it physically, is it even real, you know? If you can just get yourself to drive top down and bottom up, that's what we say in, sure. in our MDMC program, um, is to drive bottom up, which is that's from right. your feet upward, or and to drive top down, which is your upper body coming in. Proximal that's, that's one of my distal. biggest things is if you're gonna, as I, as I wanted to find a way to cue the spinal engine. So, so, so to get that function back for people and make sure that they're moving functionally. And I started getting into these proximal cues, cueing hips, shoulders, elbows. 
And what I realized is if I want to get the best movement out of somebody, if I'm going to look for functional athletic movement, belly button down, I'm only going to cue you to bring things up. And that's regardless of the movement. So I'll never cue you to drive anything below your belly button down. We're only going to bring it up. Everything above our belly button, I'm going to cue down. And that became sort of this focusing on the short side, that I want your shoulder to go down and back, I want your hip to go up and forward. And what happens on the other side is sort of just going to happen, right? So um, to keep thinking about lifting your hips and to keep thinking about dipping your shoulders to create that tension, that's going to make you lighter. It's going to shrink the surface area of your foot. And that's also where this came from, is like when I was teaching kids to, not teaching kids to run, you don't teach kids to run, but you're giving them suggestions and seeing if, hey, if I say this, you're going to maybe run a little bit faster. Most of the time, no, but uh, if you're going to cue something from the belly button down, cue it up, hmm. right? Tell them to lift it. Tell them to lift their feet off the ground, not drive them down. If you're going to cue something from the top, cue it down. Get your shoulder away from your ear, right? Hmm. Just drop your shoulder. Um, all under the basis of having a long neck, right, and looking at your aiming point. But, yeah, that's what that's my thing is sort of bottom up, top down, which is exactly what you said. Those cues need to fit there. And then you got to start shrinking how many cues you're using, right? Just yeah. use a couple. It's compression, it's expansion. Right. It is the epitome of the yin and yang. Don't go any deeper, just fucking do it. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And practice, right? Find something simple that you can practice. And practice hell yeah. yeah uh mitch i'm curious I, I know we've been applying a lot of these principles before doing this course now we've got so much more ammunition though going into this that we're gonna help a lot more people really stoked about it actually going into work tomorrow i love that shit you know you learn something and you just get so stoked that you can't wait to share it but you sit back going like i can't share everything with you i'm just gonna help drip these little pieces until you start getting stoked about it too and you start throwing it how do you how do you apply some of these principles already uh, with some of your clients, maybe go into a case study or, you know, if you're working with somebody older, somebody younger, somebody going for more performance, wherever you want to take it, Mitch. But I've seen you apply a lot of these principles of isometrics and then working it into more dynamic, um, flowy patterns. What's kind of your mindset going in when you're teaching somebody who's completely new to this system that you may not want to go to the full system, but you want to start dripping those cues that are going to help to create a more functional, full, dynamic um, movement system for this individual movement framework. I think one of the bigger things is like you're just talking about the spinal engine and stuff like that, and um, you know, I, you know, people running and their shoulders are up in their ears and stuff sure. like that, and you know, and then you start to think like, oh, you have shoulder issues, you have neck issues, you have ankle issues, you have knee issues, and other things like that, and it's like, especially then you start to look at it and you start to associate it with a lack of movement or utilization of the spinal engine and core, and it's really interesting once you start to see those, the connection happen, and you can start to see them coil or um, have rotational intent with movement and all these other things, you start to see those areas disperse and you start to see them move more fluidly. Um, I personally have applied it in certain ways because, like, I've tried to get certain clients to coil. And it's like, yeah. hey, do this. And they're yeah. like, I don't feel it. Yeah. I can't find that contraction through the obliques or through the lats. And it's super interesting. And that's what this course is really cool. Like, I love these weekend courses because they always kind of revitalize me in a certain sense where I'm like, okay, cool. Like, gives me another spark and I'm on my on my chair or whatever you want to say um and motivates me even more because i I'm automatically think of four or five clients right now i'm like i'm gonna use this tomorrow sure or this week when i see him awesome um because it's what i loved about it was uh like you know i think like a, especially as a new coach or trainer like you want to overload weight first like that's like your number one way of making something harder right well 
not everybody needs to have more load. That might inhibit mm-hmm. it more, yeah. right? Yeah. But like, you know, you take them to a split stance, you just have them go into that blade on the same side and you just like hold it. And like, I look at that and I'm like, I can, I know I can for sure get every single person to feel that right away. And that mm-hmm. might, you know, take an hour or two hours away from having to try and find something that works for them. And this is just like, boom, like you're going to apply that, you're going to feel it. And then you're going to go take it and, and take them into something that might translate into more locomotive patterns um, where they're actually moving up and down the turf or into different planes of motion and stuff like that. And that's one of the cooler things about it where I'm like, I feel like I now have a cheat code in a sense. It's just like a, a you know, it's like having fiber cable versus like dial up. It's like, that's it's going it's to it's yeah. speed it up so much faster. And that's why I immediately started thinking like, this is going to be great. That's awesome. dude. Yeah. I, I, and I want cheat codes. I want this to be sort of a game genie of, uh, of movement, but, um, I do think that when you're trying to find that coil or right when we went on and on at what method doing and we do the Royal coil and we'd go through all these steps and it's all great. Um, but the people that weren't feeling it, I just started realizing that their elbow is just floating away from their hip. And as soon as I just grabbed their elbow and put it where I wanted it on their hip, they started feeling it. Then I realized, gosh, this is a lot of top down. We need to focus more on driving that hip up into the elbow and the landmark stuff becomes a really sort of simple way to teach it. But the landmine, I'm glad you said that because I really think that one of the things we do, we'll get into that isometric position that we talked about before, and then our partner will try to rotate the bar. Yeah. Boom. If nothing else, even if you can't get to the landmark, your guys are going to feel that, and now they're going to understand rotational intent now. Not by you talking for 15 minutes about steering your hands and about whatever else. Just here, grab the bar, rotate it. I'm going to try to rotate it the other way. Boom, that's rotational intent. So that's yeah. Yeah, You put that one full thing, you say rotational intent for the event. That's when I first heard it. I was like, this yeah. guy knows some shit, man. Yeah. There's always an event happening here. That's right. It's, we're at that potential I, point. we got to like, be in movement in stillness. I like rhyming. <laughs> I was say the lastest part is the fastest part. <laughs> Positions before transitions, all rhymes, all good. Hell yeah. But simple, simple stuff. Yeah, I mean, that rotational intent, too, if you really think about it, in real life and in function, you're going from one thing to the next. Unless we're like we're doing a mattress squeeze, and we're moving out of our house, and we got to go around a corner, we're pivoting, yeah. but there's still potential energy there. That mattress wants to go down. So when you squeeze that mattress, you're not sitting there still. If you got one side that's a little stronger than the other, you might start to feel like one side you got to adjust a little bit. And what what's so cool about the landmine is that as soon as you rotate, that weight is going down in that direction. It's taking a line straight down to the ground. But as soon as you twist that thing, and you're leaning forward, you can tell if somebody's got that forward intent because they do start to shake or they do start to get that like, oh, I got to trust myself here. If I right. if this thing isn't here, I'm gonna fall. And it's like using the tool. As a, as a balancing point. It's using yourself as a, or using that tool as an anchor point so that you can really drive into what are you intending? And there's so many options beyond that. I mean, I'm an explorer of movement, so I'm going to complex the fucking shit out of this thing. Sorry, oh, Alex, yeah. but I'm going to go home <laughs> and I'm going to make this as complex as possible. I love it. But I'm also going to come in and add some load and, and, and push those two reps a minute for a bit. And that shit was hard. You uh. think 15 minutes, ah, no big deal. If I'm doing two reps on each side from, and I got to, Another 45 seconds to rest at that point. Dude, you get round three. Like, I'm only in round three of this. Well, how, how about when you, you go, all right, we're going to do three reps each side. Like once you added <laughs> the one extra rep each side, I was like, 
shit. Oh, bitch. I was like, <laughs> right, like, what's one extra rep? All right, and I was like, oh, that that yeah, that one extra <laughs> that rep, one extra rep, man. That was that was it. You go full force. Mm-hmm. What well, I think with that, that, yeah, that's to me that's football, right? And that's why I love yeah. the every minute on the minute thing, and that's why. And gosh, you hear people who play other sports say football. Football's easy. You guys go for three seconds and then you chill for forty. Yeah, but you get hit by a bus in between. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, man, you you never played football. Yeah. If someone says that to me, I say, let me rough you up for three seconds, and I'll give you a forty second break, and then I'll do it again, and we'll see how you're doing in five minutes. Right? You got somebody who finds your offside too. Shit, man, this guy's smart. He knows yeah. why I fatigue quick. I yeah, gotta make right. an adjustment. Damn. Yeah, right. It's really great for that non-dominant side stuff. But yeah. Uh, Go fight somebody for 20 seconds. Take 40 off and then do it again. You'll be exhausted, right? That's, yeah. And it is a, it's a three-second fight with the bar. It's, it's full intent, full intensity. We can't do it for a minute straight. It's just not that kind of thing, and that's not what we're shooting for. We're shooting for full effort, explosive strength, so that you can move more explosively when you need to. That's, that's the ultimate goal. In a way that's conducive to forward movement, right? Through the spinal mm-hmm. engine. Through the spinal engine, but hard. Right? I don't want to, like, we got to go. I like it to be full intent. We got a little bit more time here. I kind of want to dive in more on just, like, the fun side of this. And Sure. I mean, this can apply in so many different instances of life. I already talked about sleeping and dreaming. I mean, this is going to improve your sex performance, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Uh, this Dude, is <laughs> sideline side position, you know what I mean? <laughs> you said, man, my core is feeling good. You go. Open up multiple positions. That, <laughs> you didn't think were possible. Is yeah. it a triplanar? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to take this spherical, baby. We're going to have some fun you with it. You want to talk about a screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's, what's your practice look like, man? Like I know, especially as practitioners, people think that we're drilling this thing like again and again and again until it's, until it doesn't exist anymore to a point where it's obliterated. But it's, it's really not the case. I think when we're somebody who you're somebody who's going to be exploring, integrating, you're working with a lot of diverse clientele, especially for people who maybe are brand new to this kind of thing. And then for those who are just looking for that extra edge, that, that point one second off their 40 time kind of thing. Uh, what does your practice look like, Alex? I'm sure people are wondering what that, what that entails. So me personally training and I, and I will admit that I spent a lot of time just doing this landmine stuff. Right. And I, and it became all I was doing and I'll spend a lot of time doing it. And then I realized, gosh, I came out of that place and this was sort of COVID too. I mean, I was spending like an hour a day, just filming for the exercise library. Then I'd film a couple lessons. And so I was spending three hours a day with that landmine and just drilling it, drilling it, drilling it. But right now, um, for me personally, and I'll be totally transparent and honest, I still love powerlifting. Um, I, when I first got into training, I was straight up West side barbell until you die, man. That was it. That's what I did with my kids. We won six straight, state football championships just doing west side barbell and football drills right and i loved it the kids loved it they had a ton of kids bench 300 pounds we had the 300 pound club poster that everyone tried to get on live for that bro that is that's your high school life man absolutely and if you're going to tell me there's something wrong with that then we got problems like i love that this is america and we're going to bench press talking about it until they're 50. that's right (laughs) (laughs) remember when i got bench 325 pounds absolutely what's wrong with that yeah brother (laughs) i'm all about it if that's what you got then i want to help you somebody give me a barbell my testosterone is through the roof right now yeah right so so for me personally I'll run a conjugate system, 
but then I'll also, and, and I don't like to plan a lot. I think a lot of us, like, as we start training people, we drift away from planning our own workouts, right? Especially, like, if you're going to be exploring or if you're going to be trying to find new things that you can share with your people, very little of what you do is going to be planned. Recently, I've been planning two main lifts every day, and one of them is going to be a power lift and one of them is going to be a landmine lift. And I just love powerlifting. I like the way it feels. I like the way it makes me look. It is what it is. So right now, I can tell you a little bit about my own program. On speed bench day, uh, dynamic bench press, I'm going to do max effort clean and jerks with the landmine. And then after three weeks, I'll, I'll change the band tension on the bench, and I might pick a different move for the landmine. Um, on my speed squat day, um, instead of doing dynamic deadlifts after I squat under bands, I'll, and, and the goal is here, I'm going to build absolute strength with my power lifts. And then I'm going to transfer it into a little bit of forward locomotion. And then I'm going to finish with straight up locomotive work. So I can get some of the, again, those KPIs that I want to be absolutely strong. I do want to be able to pick up a lot of weight. I do want to be able to press a lot. And then I'll use the landmine to kind of start connecting those dots to where, all right, my bench is going up. Is it helping me move through somebody? Is it helping me punch harder? And if I stay on my landmine stuff, I think that that'll happen. But basically the way my program works, and I'm still working through it, for me personally, would be on a dynamic bench day, I'll go heavy with my clean and jerk. On a dynamic squat day, I'll go heavy with my landmine snatch. Um, on my heavy bench day, I'll do a dynamic method clean and jerk, like an EMOM thing, and I do like putting bands on the landmine too. And then on my heavy squat or deadlift day, um, I'll do the snatches or some variation of the landmine snatch for speed, similar way, dynamic method. Uh, every minute on the minute is is a good way to do it. Focus on bar speed, right? Maximal speed with sub-maximal weight. And I just, then from there, it's assistance work. I'll do some non-functional stuff too. You caught me, I do some curls. I'll spend some time doing that. But right now what I'm doing is sort of like 15 minutes on the power lifts, then 20 minutes on the landmine, and then whatever I feel like doing. That's my personal training. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Yeah. And I think everybody's got their own kind of system too and for what they're sure. going after. Like, are you going for sustainability? Are you going for PRs? What's kind of your, if you had a breakdown of like, what's your, what's your, your big gauges? You know, you said about punch, sure. punch power and stuff. You want to start maintaining this, but I know you're going for PRs too. That's what we all really live for. Yeah. If you're in that powerlifting sense, that strength sense. Yeah. Uh, where's, where's your kind of split on that? And I used to be much bigger, right? Like, so some of the powerlifting stuff. You were could, bigger, bro? I was like 310 pounds. Jesus. I was like 80 pounds heavier than I am now. Back when I was playing ball, my I just squatted 800. I deadlifted 750. I benched 505 raw, 620 with a shirt. I got way into that stuff. I was huge. <laughs> I was doing all that stuff. So now, as I'm trying to be healthier, get back into the power lifts, um, it's just frustrating. I'm never going to get back there, right? So that's not my ultimate goal. But I want to be as strong as possible in my healthier body. The really fun thing with the landmine is, for me, here's a brand new system, and I can actually PR, right? I can actually be as strong as I've ever been in this movement. And, and I'm pretty sure that I, back in the day, it's not like I could hit more on the landmine. I mean, I was waddling around a little bit too, right? I mean, we've both been there. I, yeah. I was there. My back was hurting. I was tired upstairs. Uh, the everyday things were terrible, but getting under the bar was really fun because I was beefy. So the ultimate goal for me is 
also really just to keep myself out of trouble. This is something like training with weights is something that has saved my life multiple times. If I'm not doing this or if I go a day without doing it, I'm like a more grumpy, dangerous human being, right? <laughs> like I, above all else, I just wake up every morning, I go to the gym at four and I wear myself out because I'm not sure what I'll do if I don't. Right? It's yeah. really just a healthy way for me to, it's an outlet. And I think for a lot of people, it's that. And, and for a lot of kids, it's that. And a lot of people need that and don't even realize that they need that. They're taking tension and aggression into their day, into their relationships that shouldn't be there. And for me, like now, ultimately at this point, I do it because I like it. I'm doing it for fun. If it doesn't sound fun, I won't train that day. But it's fun for me, so was, a lot of times I'll train multiple times in, in a day, just doing something. It gets fun, too, when you start recognizing the feel, because you go, you live for that feel. You live for that. That's right. It's a level of fatigue, but not to the point, you know, you see, you know, rock it out to you, you can't do anymore, but really you're hitting a point of, it's sub-max effort, and then it's max effort, there's sub-max effort, there's max effort, and you're kind of shifting your, your overall effort in this sense, and I mean, I'm, I'm imagining you finish a workout going like, I feel satisfied. Right. And I also don't think I can lift that heavy weight that I was lifting earlier. I think I've hit a point, right? Sure, yeah. You're hitting an edge. Yep. And, and, I'll see and you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and I just want to be doing this for as long as possible, right? That's uh, at a certain point when you're done competing and when you're done uh, macho manning yourself up, you just want to be able to do it for as long as possible. If I can keep getting to the gym every day, it's survival, right? I want to live as long as I can. I want to do the things I enjoy as long as I can. And ultimately, for me now, that's what it's all about. Just is, is not overexerting myself, but uh, making sure that I can keep doing this for as long as, as, long as possible. Because I'm not 100% sure who I am without weightlifting, <laughs> right? And I'm not in a hurry to find <laughs> out. So that's, that's that can be interesting uh, next podcast. Bro. Uh, How you doing, Alex? I stopped doing landmine shit. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be. You don't able look to so tell. good, buddy. <laughs> Why do you keep scratching yourself? Yeah, yeah. What, you what, look what, a little smaller over there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Uh, I'm really curious on how you've applied your experience with your previous Olympic lifting. Like you were talking about how much you used to lift, all the aches and pains that you have, um, and now you know. I'm assuming that you feel better. Joint-wise, you feel 100%. better. Mentally, yeah. physically, feel better. 100%. Um, how do you talk to your younger athletes about this? The ones that go into it and there's just that traditional mindset of like, I have to lift heavy. I have to go heavier. I have to go faster. When you've gone through it and you've seen both sides of it now and you go, well, okay, like there's, that's not the wrong way, but there's definitely a different way. And how do you go about that communication? Because that's a hard mental barrier, I think, for a lot of kids to try and get past, especially when they're in that competitive yeah, atmosphere of high sure. school football team or even college football. Sure, and it is, and it's something that I'll fall back into uh, sort of my history of training athletes and with the high school kids. I realized really quickly that much more important than the program that we were running was the dry erase board. So I started putting up a top 10 dry erase board where you can get on the top 10 or you can set records for your weight class. And it didn't matter what we were doing. As soon as I put the records up, they started getting broken. So if you're training athletes, if you're training kids, absolutely they need a chance to compete. When you start writing these numbers up, and at first it was bench, squat, deadlift, and that became the priority of the program was to get those numbers up. And they felt like, yeah, they're lifting weights to get better at football, to win football, but at the moment, throughout the entire winter, they're lifting weights to get on that board or to pass their buddy on that board. And I realized, gosh, 
that's way more important than what program we're doing. Some of my best kids would just come on max out day and win because they were like, you know, they'd skip the rest of the workouts, but they want to win and they're our best athletes and that, that's what it takes. What then you start realizing as a coach is that you need to give them opportunities to compete. And you need to, it's that, that oh gosh, I can't think of the guy's name. It's all under the RRP stuff, rank, record, and publish. Um, the big, the <laughs> feed the cats guy. Shout out to you, I'm forgetting your name. <laughs> but he's awesome, he writes about it. And, and, and I'm really into that concept. And then I, saw, I thought to myself, gosh, you know what? What if we delete, what if we erase the squat and we put a 30-yard dash up there instead, right? What if we start measuring that instead? And guess what? People, we're now, now we're getting faster. Now my athletes are faster than they've ever been. I said, gosh, what if we throw a couple jumps up there? A broad jump, a triple jump. It doesn't, these kids really want to compete and uh, they want to be the best. They want to be the best at something. Not that there's anything wrong with uh, recording the power lifts and competing in that. Like, I think that's fine. But again, it can lead to some sore backs and some people doing some things that are dangerous, right? So finding a way to put numbers to things, to rank, record, and let them compete is important. This landmine thing is going to give you sort of another tool there where you can say, hey, we're going to do clean and jerks heavy once in a while. Got to hit your landmarks. If I don't like it, you're done. But yeah. you can compete now, and you can hit, put numbers to your explosive strength too, same way you would with a clean and a jerk. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, as, as they get into if you're going to take that away from them, which I'd be careful with, but if you're going to take away the opportunity to chase those big numbers, make sure you – Replace that with another number for them to chase. Numbers it's a well-balanced competition, man. Yeah. It's yeah. a healthy competition. You're right. going to find some places where you're going to excel at and other places where you're, you're going to need some work. And what I started doing as a coach then and with my athletes, with the kids, is looking really broad scope at, gosh, my kids are not right now they're really good at deadlifts, right? But they're not jumping so well. So I'm going to take the deadlift off the board. And we would wipe the records every three weeks. There would be a brand-new set of exercises, and you get to recompete. Maybe I'm not great at a broad jump, but I'm good at a vertical jump. And finally, now this month, it's vertical jump, and I'm going to get up on that board. But keep giving them chances to compete. And, and there's a balance there. You're working with gen pop people. Sometimes that's not what they want. A lot of people don't want that. They don't want their numbers on the wall. I don't want to compete with you with weight loss and weigh myself and write it on the board. Like That's not the ultimate goal for some people. But if you're going to start training with some athletes or people that are diehard or into this powerlifting, weightlifting world, which I think was a question, like make sure that you find replacements because that that thing, if you took that away from me, man, like at the wrong age, if you took away my chance to be the strongest guy, that's what that's all I had. That's that was me. I I was the guy that was strong. If you take that away, you got to give me a chance to to do something else, right? And and to to feel that way. So. This is another system where hopefully it's a little bit more functional, but it's also another chance to have fun and, and compete and break some records too, for sure. Yeah, I highly recommend that, that every coach, especially if you're a strength coach, if you haven't done landmine shit, you're, you're behind the times. I mean, this is, this is cutting-edge stuff, but it should be cutting-edge stuff as of 20 years ago. Like this shit, and I'm so you. glad you've created it because we, it's about damn time somebody does it. And, and, and I don't think that I've created too much. I think that I've tried to make it simpler and more accessible. Maybe like put a name to a couple of movements that people were doing already, right? Like, and, I, and you can find videos of 
black and white Russian wrestlers way back in the day with landmines. And they're doing stuff with landmines. Coaches like landmines. There's things you can do with a landmine that you can't do with anything else. Um, the big thing here is just let's try to use this and get as much out of it as we can. Like this might be a better tool than a barbell for certain things that we're trying to train. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a barbell, but I think that there's things that you can do with it that you can't do without it. And let's let's develop it, turn it into a system, and, and try to help people get the most out of it. Yeah, I really, we all get better by making each other better. Like it's, yeah. you, you create this, and now somebody's going to go run with it a little bit, and there might be some more complexity, maybe more specific to a demographic. Sure. Like I hope some things come out of this, and sure. people start exploring the potential with their clientele. We certainly will here at Gymnazo, and, and sure. with our MDM series too, I think is a powerful piece that um, we've been missing just in terms of functional progressive overload we've stuck to our 3d stuff which i absolutely love and people right. need a lot of but people do need that competition side of it if they're looking for it you know if you don't have an outlet for it you might hurt yourself doing the shit that you did way back when missing the missing the mark on the next uh, the next phase of of what competition can look like for sure um well thank you so much alex uh i, I how do people find you I know you mentioned um, earlier Landmine University, but... Yeah, good. Uh, find me on Instagram. is just Landmine University, one word. Uh, the website is landmineuniversity.com. And you can go there, check it out, and also sign up for certifications there. The next one is going to be in Boca Raton, Florida, Sweet. which I'm hyped about. It's going to be end of August at Phil DeRue's gym, Daru Strunk, so I'm super excited to go there. And we're going to be planning the fall schedule, but looking like we're going to be traveling a little bit more. So more opportunities to, to figure it out. Sweet, man. I hope to have you back here, too, for another uh, Oh, absolutely. This is university. A, if, if you guys, anyone out there gets a chance to come to San Luis Obispo, uh, this is one of the best weekends I've had. It's an <laughs> incredible town. You guys' gym is unbelievable. And really, it's the people, right, is the most important thing. We get There's some awesome people. So, man, thanks again. It's yeah, I'll get into it. Thanks, brother. Thank you, Mitch, sure. man. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. The Mitch. pleasure going through the course with you, too, man. Just yeah. the, the healthy competition. Yeah, You're going to add a little load? I'm going to add a little load. You're going to add a little load? I'm going to add a little load. This is some weight on there. I'm like, Sean, we're good. Yeah, come on, Sean. We got to throw some weight on there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, until next time, y'all. Peace out. Thank you. Thank you. Hey y'all, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed to the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. Relaunches in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one -on -one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. 
But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnasioedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.